Welcome to the Education for Sustainability Learning Pod, a series of podcasts developed from the Education for Sustainability Master's course at London South Bank University. We have developed this learning space to share and discuss key concepts relevant to education for sustainability. My name is Dr. Glenn Strachan, and in this episode, Dr. Rolf Jucker discusses key themes in his latest book called Can We Cope with the Complexity of Reality? Why Craving Easy Answers is at the Root of Our Problems. So welcome, Rolf. Welcome, Glenn. To start with, I'd like to ask you, what is your connection with the Education for Sustainability course? Well, first of all, I would like to thank you, Glenn, for inviting me onto this podcast. Uh, it's really an honour um, because I feel that that connection to this course is actually quite a strong one. Um, at the time when I first got to know about the course, I was a lecturer at Swansea University and I was more and more immersed in environmental questions and particularly in questions related to environmental education. And at some point I decided I wanted to stretch myself and I wanted to get a sound basis in these fields. So I decided to do the course in 2004, I think it was. And when the current course director, Jaya, talked about what alumni did from the course at the recent London South Bank University uh, conference, online conference, it actually got me thinking and I suddenly realized how dramatically that course had shifted my understanding of the world on the one hand, but also my understanding from a professional perspective. And as a result, I actually left academia um, to work in various NGOs connected or focusing on education for sustainability ever since. Thank you very much for that. Um, moving on to your book now. So what was the genesis of, the, of your recent book and how does it fit in with your other publications? That's actually quite a good question. Um, because my book before that, the 2014 book, uh, Do We Know What We Are Doing? It does touch on some of the themes of my new book already, but I was unhappy with uh, quite a few things, uh, quite a few ideas I hadn't really properly thought through, I hadn't really properly developed. And I was really triggered by something um, Volker Braun said. Volker Braun is one of the most important uh, literary writers in Germany of the 20th century. And he wrote in one book, I, I quote, we live beneath our level of knowledge. That's the human comedy, unquote. And, and that has really uh, triggered me to retouch and, and rework some of the themes of, of the older book. Maybe I can explain a little bit what I mean by, the, by that, um, you know, we live beneath the, our level of knowledge. I am a, a very widely interested person, so I, I, I really do read in, in very many different fields. And if you start to do that, you suddenly uh, realize how limited 
the understanding of our world is in certain specific professional um, areas. I, for example, I delved really deeply into uh, in, in a chapter one of the of the newer book into our perceptional limits, into um, limits of cognition, which have really become apparent in the last 20, 30 years in brain research and, and in, in psychological research. And those biases and perceptual limitations clearly have a tremendous impact on education. But if you only read educational literature and educational research, you would think, you would be forgiven to think that this has no impact whatsoever because it's very rarely discussed in an educational context. So I really started to understand that we have to develop a far more holistic understanding of how we work as individuals, how learning works, how we should react based on that knowledge in terms of uh, creating educational interventions, uh, if you want to call it that. So that is basically the starting point why I then, uh, it took me about six years to, to research, uh, conceptualize and, and, and write that uh, newest book. Um, but it really grew out of, of a kind of unhappiness with the depth and the quality of what I developed in the previous book. Very interesting and, and very much, you know, linking within education to sustainability of the, the kind of transdisciplinary, the multidisciplinary perspective on the world. Sorry, you emphasize the importance of a scientific approach in the sense of providing robust evidence in the book, evidence that is not easily disproved how does this manifest itself in the ideas that you present? Maybe I can answer this as it were in, 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 in two parts. On one level, it might be a good idea if I give you some kind of a, an, an overview of the key concepts um, of the book. Even though <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit of a tricky thing to give a summary of that book because the book really is kind of a, a deliberate manifesto of why we shouldn't uh, simplify, why we shouldn't go for shortcuts. Um, so, so I shouldn't really give you a summary of the book, but um, I can certainly give you, in in response to your question. Uh, some key concepts which, which really concern me in the book. And then I can answer the question how I try to, as it were, present those ideas in, in the book. Because I, I, I think that the content of the book is very much connected to, I admit, um, quite a peculiar style uh, of, of writing I've, I've chosen to, to adopt. I probably could focus on four key concepts. The first one really is humility. Um, it is very much linked to many ideas in education for sustainability. It's the shift from, from the I to the we or from the ego to the echo, if you want to, um, to over uh, stretch it a little. It really has to do with the limits of perception. And maybe we could 
focus on it by saying never trust a single person even if that particular person listens to your name because uh, research has really shown that personal experience personal memory and everyday knowledge are very rarely reliable and significant you know we do know now from psychology and brain research that um, these things, personal experience, uh, uh, memory, even what we call our autonomous inner self, are highly unreliable, uh, illusionary constructions of our brain. All of this, this construction is really subject to a variety of perceptual distortions, of psychological biases, of unreflected cultural prejudices so we can very very rarely rely just on that to come to uh, meaningful reliable solutions for our complex sustainability problems in contrast humanity's accumulated knowledge about reality collectively acquired over decades is almost always more important than our personal always inevitably distorted mental model of it so this is really the reason why we need an approach to finding solutions which is beyond a subjective individualist approach we we, we they, they cannot these days they cannot really be provided by individuals but very often they're team efforts, they're collective efforts uh, based on the best available knowledge. So I would say as a, real, a result, we must learn to take collectively verified knowledge, for example, on climate change, a lot more seriously, and we should develop a healthy distrust of our own personal experiences and of our own personal interests it's really this distinction between knowledge and interest uh, which uh, Greta Thunberg for example talks about uh, an awful lot and 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 which is maybe one of the biggest problems we need to solve because that's basically the problem which tears apart I would say our knowledge society and our political system because our political systems they tend to to operate uh, interest-driven and not knowledge-driven. So that's certainly something we have to come to terms with. Okay, thank you for that. In the book, you are critical of some of the work associated with education for sustainability uh, or, or education for sustainable development. Do you have a criticism of ESD per se, or is it the way ESD is applied in some circumstances it's a very very good question because i think that with most questions these days i i tend to answer it's both and i still think that education for sustainability is a very valid and and important concept but i think that it suffers like many other educations or types of educations or, or you know educations which have a a, 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 a prefix 
um, attached to it. Many of those have uh, a problem because they come out of very sensible um, perceptions of problems. But because these motivations very often come from other fields, they tend often tend to be ideologically driven or mission driven and not necessarily evidence-based. So you, you can find in education for sustainability as in peace education, as in political education, um, you, you don't find very often an attempt to, to, to really double check whether what is offered as educational interventions, whether that is counter-checked to what we do know about um, uh, effective, meaningful approaches to education from, I say, you know, uh, normal educational research. Um, so, so I have realized that in 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 the area I work now, uh, you know, which is nature-based education, um, that very very often people just start from the assumption that of course nature is beneficial. Um, so by a leap of faith, um, learning out in nature must be a positive thing. But for for many years, we really haven't bothered to 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 really call out the evidence and to double check the evidence whether this is actually the case. And when you start to do this, you find a differentiated answer. You find that, yes, there are very many positive aspects of learning out in nature. But you have about 10% of kids who really do not benefit from it. They find it very disturbing. They find it frightening. They can't concentrate. So it has a detrimental effect on their learning. The vast majority of kids have a positive effect, but there is a certain percentage where it doesn't necessarily make an awful lot of sense to, to, to do that. So um, I think it is the same with education for sustainability. Sometimes we would really benefit from looking more closely at the evidence base we have accrued over the last uh, decades of why education works and what kind of approaches and methodologies really do work uh, for which group um, of people. So that, that is one criticism, but that, that doesn't criticize the, the thing as a whole. Yeah, I think it's, still think it's an absolutely valid uh, and, and important approach. The other thing is something which I also focused on in the book uh, in one chapter, um, where in the end I claim that maybe that's the most important thing we have to concentrate on, and that is a reinvention of our democratic system. And I've just recently stumbled across an article by one of my heroes, um, David Orr, who's written a piece on the missing politics of environmental education. And, and I've come to a similar conclusion. You know, we seem to underestimate how important politics is for successful long-term education. Um, sometimes we overestimate the impact of education and we underestimate the impact of other uh, important areas in, in our life, politics, economics, and so forth. 
Um, and that is sometimes simply a, um, a kind of distortion from your professional perspective because you're so engaged in, in education, you forget that this is only one part, for example, in the transition to a more sustainable society and that other parts are as important or maybe even more important than what you are engaged in, in in your professional practice. So that might be another element where I think that we might have to re rethink um, to a certain degree of what we're doing in education for sustainability. Okay, thank you very much for that. And uh, leading on to a, a final question now, Rolf, where has writing this book led you in terms of your own learning journey? This is kind of linking back to the first question and, and the genesis of the book and so on. And, and what do you see as the future challenges in your work? I really liked that question. I think that's the best question ever because whatever we do, uh, you know, in our professional practice or when we're writing or whatever we do, I think that question about, okay, is it actually contributing to our own change and our own learning is probably the most important one. And I can tell you, um, writing this book by far has been the most difficult uh, writing adventure I had so far. It really challenged me a lot. And I've, I've also tried to, to, to make transparent in the book um, that I, I really had to do a lot of unlearning and relearning uh, during the process of, of, of writing this book. And it has convinced me of, of, of a number of things. Uh, the first one is that we really have to get out of our identity bubbles. You know, we really have to come out of our opinion bubbles, of our identity bubbles, and become far more self-critical of our own positions and our own importance or self-conceived uh, importance. Um, so, so it's really a move out of self-interest into knowledge and understanding. And for my practical work, that has actually led me to emphasize far more teamwork, um, processes of co-creative, collective, uh, cooperative constructions of solutions, you know, rather than starting from my own um, I know now <laughs> biased uh, perception perception on things. We we prefer now to to really bring together different perspectives and different experiences from different stakeholders to build solutions which hopefully are more reliable, more meaningful, and 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 uh, more sound in many ways than individual um, subjective solutions. Um, and the other thing which I really learned is, uh, which again is something uh, Greta Thunberg has, has quite often said, uh, let's grow up, you know, let's, let's move out of that toddler mode to shout at people who are not of our opinion, uh, like uh, Donald Trump has shown us for four years now, and he's also shown us how destructive that can be if you are in that mode. Let us move out of that. Let us become slightly more distant, slightly more relaxed, slightly more self-reflective, and, and and let us do our homework. You know, don't let us pretend 
that we know everything already, let's go and look. Let's go and see whether there, there is sound research which actually might help underpin and support what we're trying to do. Um, but that requires an engagement, that requires us to do our homework, that requires us to, to come down from our high horse that we know everything already. And so in many ways it, it is an approach which has led me to be far more humble about my perception of, of my contribution to solutions. Okay, thank you very much, Rolf, for, for talking to us today about your latest book, Can We Cope with the Complexity of Reality, published by Cambridge Scholars Publishing. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And I'd like to thank everybody who is listening to this podcast of, from the Education for Sustainability Learning pod. And this is one of a series of podcasts delivered by the core team, alumni and students of the Education for Sustainability Master's degree. Please share and subscribe to automatically receive more episodes. Thank you very much.